the more content you have, the more you have to plan. And that's really what graphic design is, is visual planning. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about finding your unexpected path to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a marketer and an artist and a storyteller. On today's show, we have Michael Stinson. Michael is a designer and a typographer and an educator. And on today's show, we talk to Michael about his path to design and typography, his transition to going independent and starting his own business, his first steps into the real working world after college, and what it's like educating people about the role of design, both on the page, and we talk about the concepts of design and typography in terms of life and philosophy as well. It's a really fun conversation, and I'm so excited for you all to hear it. I want to thank our sponsor, Soothe. Soothe is an amazing company that sends masseuses to your home, your business, your office for on-demand self-care and massage. I've used Soothe. I love it. It's a really incredible experience. They bring the spa to your home or to your office. And if you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS, you'll get $20 off your first service with Soothe. So check out Soothe.com. And thank you so much to Soothe for sponsoring the show. Okay, let's get started with my conversation with Michael Stinson. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really uh, honored to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to talk to you. Uh, You have a really interesting path to coming to design and Mm -hmm. typography, and you've got this amazing background both of working as an agency and then also working as an educator. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have to start off with the the beginning. You were studying aerospace engineering? I was. I went to, in high school, I did a lot of drafting for four years. Okay. Architecture and mechanical. And where'd you grow up? In Anaheim, California. Nice. Yeah. And um, military family, kind of a thing. But um, I had always been drawing and painting since I was a little kid. I started oil painting when I think I was like 11, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So I've always been advanced in art, but I always thought of it as a hobby, not as... A career. You know, a career path. Yeah. And were you and, also interested in like math and science and all yes, that stuff? Yeah. That was my thing in, in high school is physics. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was supposed to go to Berkeley for physics, but parents didn't have the money, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So I ended up going to Cal Poly for aerospace. Wow. Engineering. And uh, I wasn't doing so well in the program. So I decided to just go see what's going on in the art department. Yeah. What was going and, wrong for you at that, in that moment in I was in just college? burnt out. I, yeah. I went through high school taking summer classes all the way through. Yeah. And then when I graduated uh, that summer, I was just gearing up for college and I, I didn't get any downtime. Right. So I was just burnt. I was just burnt out. Yeah. And uh, so that first semester, I didn't do so well. And I don't think my high school chemistry class yeah. prepared me well for the college level that I was going for. Right. Especially with, you know, engineering. What interested you about aerospace engineering back in those in those days? Well, as a kid, I, I wanted to fly planes, but I have not so good eye. You have to have the twenty twenty thing, I guess. Right. So mine wasn't perfect. So then I found out you might as well do something else. So I figured I'd just build planes, design them. <laughs> right. You know, would be fun. And so, you had an interest in math and and engineering yeah. and all these things. So you 
you have one semester in aerospace engineering? I had, yeah, maybe two. One I, think, or, I think two. When two we had semesters. a quarter system at Cal Poly. So that, okay. That was two. So two 10-week periods. Okay. And and it wasn't going so well. And so you said, well, I've always been interested in artwork mm-hmm. and art and and design. Let me see what's going on in the art school. I didn't even know what design was. I didn't know the term. <laughs> okay. I just went to the art department to see what's going on. And I was curious about design. And I said, what is this design thing? And the counselor said, I, I'm in the right spot, especially... Um, being from engineering, and I thought that was curious, right? That um, he would say that coming to, into the art department, you know, at, like fine art. Yeah, at the time, did you say why, why would why would I be a good candidate for art if I'm an engineer, or is it something that you kind of put together well, later on? He told me, and this is what I always remember: is he told me it's it's the perfect mix between engineering and art, with left and right brain kind of thing. And I've always recorded that. I recorded that, and I've always used that. And it is a perfect balance if you think about it. Design. Yeah, graphic design. And so how quickly after that conversation did you say, okay, I'm going to put away engineering and let me learn about... This is the next semester. Design. And I just started getting... I mean, it was, it was so easy compared to engineering and physics. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think it would be that easy. <laughs> right. It just came natural. Yeah. Because I had already had the drawing and the painting and everything else. And doing it graphically... It just made sense because everything's in proportion. Right. And that speaks my language since I was an engineer. Yeah. And when so. you were studying in school, was were you also doing uh, more fine arts and painting and things like that? Or was it really layout, design, typography, and that's what you were focusing in on? Oddly enough, back then, early 90s, we didn't have typography classes. We handled type. Mm-hmm. And we got it in our design classes. We didn't have specific typography classes. I learned all the typography that I know now, all the nitty gritty nuts and bolts from my first boss mm-hmm. and mentor when I got out of school and started doing annual reports right away. So, what, what, what? Tell me about that transition. I mean, this is can be such a hard time in people's mm-hmm. careers and their lives, like figuring out how to get that first job. Mm-hmm. What was the transition for you going from school to that? This is that a great story. Job. Yeah. This is a great story. So I, I was a junior and I went to, back to my counselor and said, what, I'm supposed to be getting an internship right about now, right? And he said, yeah. He says, go look in the Yellow Pages. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So I looked in the Yellow Pages. I took them literally. <laughs> that, and, that could uh, be like, that's like the broadest suggestion yes. ever. That, that's like today, that's like, I thought well, just Google joking. it. Yeah. But then I'm like, then I was offended. Like, don't you have anything else for me? Are there job boards or anything? Right. Like an art center. Because I had noticed art center i'd been up there yeah and we didn't so i t- just took him literally at it and i went home looked through the yellow pages and and found this this small agency guy in in orange okay and i went to him and he said how did you find my name and i said <laughs> in the yellow pages and he was pissed his name was in there because he was a higher end you know kind of trying to be a higher end kind of agency he didn't right. want to be in with the you know the blue color kind of a thing right but I uh, went in there and he says, your portfolio is crap, but just the way you speak and I can tell how you're raised, you, you would be a good assistant to me. <laughs> so, yeah. But we can work on the portfolio, he said. Wow. And so how long did you serve as uh, an assistant before you started to get this kind of on-the-job training that you needed to become? A- well, he, that was the thing is he struggled with me from the get-go because we didn't have type hmm. where our art center did. And uh, that's where he went. 
yeah. the art center. And so our little school didn't have, didn't have any types. So he was teaching me typewriter on the job, pacing up and reports. And before the computer. Okay. And and how long were you in that role for? Um, about a year or two. And then where'd you move on to after that? That, that would be 2002 or 1992 hmm. to 1994. Yeah, I was in that role for a couple of years. Yeah. And then that two years, I pretty much learned everything I needed to know about type. Really? Yeah. For the most part, I would say about 85, 90%. Right. And now that you're, you know, you're a teacher and an educator, what do you tell people about like being in school, being in class to learn versus being out in the real world and learning on the job and learning under the gun of it's, a project? It's much faster in to be industry. out there. Yeah, yeah. It's click, click, click right. in the industry. And I try to do that with my students in my classes, replicate that, even though it gives them a, a ton of stress. <laughs> But I tell them it's it's to prepare you because I didn't I wasn't very prepared going from high school to college. Right. I'm sure a lot of people have, were were that way. Right. And so I don't want them to to be that way from college to the industry. That's half the reason we started Type Ed to bridge that gap. Right. Them coming out because the the schools in our area in L.A. they have three or four you know classes of type, but it doesn't show in the industry side. Right. It, they don't have the knowledge in typesetting of, you know, a couple paragraphs or whatever. Yeah. So I just thought, I think that was, thought that was odd and I kept complaining about it. And then Rachel did something about it. <laughs> she said, well, we're going to start our own organization. I said, okay. And Rachel is your partner at, at Ramp, right. which is your own design creative agency. Right. And so you guys were seeing this gap in opportunity in the market to mm -hmm. educate. And so you created this, this business, this organization mm -hmm. called Type Ed. Right. And you have students come to you and then you also go into organizations and businesses to right. do trainings for teams. That's right. We trained a team yesterday at Disney and wow, there's a group of about uh, six people, small, small team. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks before we were at Facebook and that was a larger team. That was more like 20. Wow. And just teaching them the, the basics and the fundamentals of the mindset of typography because they're missing that in an industry. Yeah, what what's what's missing out there, and what are you what are you bringing to these these people, and what what do they what do they need it for? What are they using it for? I, I think we were talking before, and you mentioned Disney was about more the book. Yes, uh, but more I'm book. curious about like Facebook thinking about typography, and when you're meeting these people, what is it so clearly that they're that they're missing that they need in order to for Facebook? It was it was the fundamentals. Mm. It was basically building a page, let's say, mm -hmm. of going in procession of, you know, format, grid, text, and then hierarchy. Right. Let's say that's how I was taught is to build the page in that format every time. Yeah. Right. And this is all print typography and, and design it's, that you're focused on? It is, but we that's what we try to do at Type is we try to teach the mentality, though, mm. the mindset more. Because mm -hmm. everybody's teaching technique, and that's that's fine. Right. The technique we would be, it's the same, but it's the mindfulness and the cognitive part of respecting the content first, getting that handled first in the process of design, and then let imagery and color come into play, mm. that kind of thing. Because that's how we had to do it in cold type yeah. on boards. Cold type is what? Paste up, using galleys, wax paper, waxing the back of them, pasting them down on boards, doing it the hand way before the computer. And then would that be 
photographed or would that be? Yeah, that's true. You you send call out your type, all your type numbers and specs to a typesetter or send them in a fax. Back then we used faxes a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you get your type. <laughs> wow. Get your type to set down. Like you, you couldn't see it. You'd have to spec it out of a book. Right. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about our sponsor, Soothe. Soothe is an amazing on-demand massage service. So if you're at home, on the go, at a hotel, or even at work, you can use their app to call for a masseuse. And they'll come within 24 hours, or you can schedule it in advance. If you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, you'll get $20 off your first booking with Soothe. I have used Soothe. And massage and self-care is so important to the creative process. As creative people, we have to take care of ourselves. Otherwise, we'll burn out. We won't have the energy to approach and tackle these creative challenges and jobs and projects and programs that we're working on day in and day out. So Soothe really makes massage and self-care more accessible. That's why I'm so excited about them. My experience getting a massage with Soothe was awesome It was amazing. It was kind of everything you'd expect from going to a masseuse at their own place or spa, but in your home. They bring everything you need to have a wonderful experience and feel amazing. So check out Soothe. Go to soothe.com, download the app, use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, and you'll get $20 off your first booking. All right, let's get back to the show. What was your transition like from from print to digital then? Was that... I was like a necessity. I was like so tired of doing the typesetting. <laughs> it's like, well, we can do it right on the computer now because that's what we were learning, starting to learn at school. Right. And my, my first boss was hesitant, but we finally got into it and started with PageMaker and Illustrator and kind of got into it with the first Mac 2C, I think, or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. And do you do you find that people who really excel in typography and that kind of design need to have a propensity for math and numbers and maybe some aspects of, of science as, as you had? Or do you see that there's a way to approach it from where you did, but also, you know, the pure kind of art creative sure. side to work No, I think there's well. a lot of successful designers that have come at it from the fine art side, sure. basically. It's just, um, it's just like anything else for me. I see math as an underpinning in a lot of things, like music well i mean a lot of people would agree with me yeah and i just saw design as one of those as well because everything's supposed to be in proportion right to the type or you know the imagery or whatever else yeah so that 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 part came easy for me mm-hmm. of doing a little bit of you know math or algebra just to keep things in proportion right yeah and uh how long have you been independent and when did you start your own agency did that happen pretty quickly in your career or was there like a pivotal moment where you said, I need to leave this, you know, kind of day job world and start my own thing? I was working at an annual parade agency in, in the late nineties and uh, I was still friends with my mentor, my first boss. Yeah. And he was kind of pushing me going, okay, so when time's ticking here, you're almost 30, are you going to open your shop? And I hadn't <laughs> even thought about it. You know, I thought about open my own place or anything I'm right like, i don't even know first thing about business or getting work or anything right and he said oh that's all it'll just all fall into place you know you just <laughs> you talk to a couple of 
of people and corporations in the, and try to get them to hire you and and you're off and running. And mm-hmm. he's, he's right. With graphic design, you don't need much. It's not like manufacturing. Right. You don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars of manufacturing equipment and right. real estate and all that stuff. So after he, he mentioned this to you, how long did it take to kind of percolate before you went, all right, well, I'll just go out and, and do this? About two years. Two years? Yes. And did you line up those first clients before you took flight or did you go independent and then start? I just noticed, and this is not supposed to happen, I wouldn't encourage people to do this, but I just noticed that a couple of the clients of the agency that I was at was getting a little frustrated. Hmm. And so they were contemplating, hmm, maybe we'll try something else. Well, maybe that something else could be me. Hmm. So once I left, then um, they contacted me in order to strike up the relationship. Did that create friction, though? It did. (laughs) It did. always does. Did it? Did it smooth out? Because um, you basically... Well, it's smoothed out now, I would say. Yeah. Because it's time, you know, heals all wounds kind of right. thing. Does that happen yeah. really often where it's one agency, there's a group of people there, there's clients, then somebody will split off from that agency yeah. and bring it's those typical. clients? Yeah, it's typical. What have been some of the, the high highs and the low lows of being independent because it's you know it can be a cyclical mm-hmm. business it cannot be sometimes there's not you know the the most stability mm-hmm. how how has your experience been with it the thing is it was it was great in the beginning because annual reports are create real stability because it's a seasonal thing every september we're calling on clients and they have to get their reports ready for their shareholder meeting that's usually in april and so you have those 6 months or so and half the year to just get, you know, that project in. And if you've got three or four of those like we have, you know, you've got a steady income. Sure. To click along with. Right. That opens it up for other things. So we started doing branding and stuff as well, especially for hospitality mm. on the off months. Yeah. Summertime and whatnot. And that kept us going for a while. Yeah. You know, up until probably 2012, maybe 2013. Yeah. Um, and what, we hit a bump at 07 and 08 like everybody else did. Sure. But um, it was it's an enlightening kind of thing of, of, of opening a graphic design agency. It yeah. Is. It's really because you kind of, we, Rachel and I kind of just learned it as we went along. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Accounting and finance and What's legal. And, do you wish that you had gone to like a business boot I do camp? now. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I had taken more writing classes the whole nine yards. Really? Yeah, I wish I would have. What What are like the top three things that you that you would have done now, looking back, that would have saved you a lot of pain and suffering in those first few years? Well, not ditching those accounting classes at Cal Poly would have helped. <laughs> um, but I would have I would have definitely told my my earlier self to take more business and and finance yeah. and creative writing. Yeah, as well. Why creative writing? That's that's pretty much all you do now as a creative director. You, you're pretty much writing proposals and and uh, writing headlines. You're not actually writing content, even though Rachel is now. She's kind of writing more marketing content now for Type Ed. So, mm-hmm. um, and she's good at it. Yeah, it comes natural to her, though. Yeah, I, I, being an engineering kind of head, it's I just kind of have to squeak it out. Right, right. So, what are the big principles of Type? typography that you discuss in these in these classes and and working with these students i i'd love like a 
a layman's explanation. Okay. You know, everyone inter- interacts with type, whether they're designers right. or illustrators or, you know, just people who are reading their magazines right. and newspapers. Explain a little bit, maybe in simple terms, kind of the, you know, the lessons that you're, okay. you're sharing with these students. Well, the first thing that we try to do is make the designer cognitive of the reader more. Because a lot of designers will design for the project, of course. But they're also It also takes a certain amount of internal passion mm. to get that talent out. But sometimes in that, in that release of passion with graphics and everything, um, they forget to go, can, you know, ask themselves if the reader can even read the content. Right. And do they want to read it? Have I made it where they want to read it? Kind of a thing because that's where the sales are, you know, in the content. So we try to we try to bring that mentality to them first of being cognitive of the reader more. And uh, in the old days, we were, were when you're doing it by hand, you're handling that much type. You can understand, but when it's flying by you on the screen, mm. you kind of you don't pay attention as much, and the speeds increase and all that. Right. So we try to bring that first into the into the mix. Yeah. But we also teach all the the old methods of uh, of rules of typography, like uh, the type is supposed to be set to a two to one ratio uh, to the measure, kind of a thing. So what does that there. mean? The measure is a column width, mm-hmm. right? That you put the text in, right? Well, the type should be proportional to that width. Mm-hmm. So if the width's wider, the type needs to be bigger. If it's mm-hmm. narrower, it needs to be smaller. Sure, sure. So there's always this discrepancy. It's always it's like a Roughly a two to one ratio. Okay, and um, so that the type is legible and it's uh-huh. yeah. So we get try to get them thinking about what they're setting instead of letting the digital software just do it for them. Right. So there's more thinking of the numbers. Hmm. So we try to bring more of the numbers in because people always ask me, hey, Mike, how do you get your layout so clean? Everything's so tight and everything's well. It's the boring answer. It's the numbers, you know. Mm-hmm. And designers are going. Oh, that's not a very good answer. <laughs> that's not very yeah, inspiring. The the it's not very inspiring because right. you know most designers don't like numbers and math. <laughs> so, um, but that's why I tell them. Yeah, you know, the interns and the employees I've had. Yeah. So, and was yeah. there was there a third uh, kind of key uh, key thing? Let's see. Um, I would probably say uh, just stick into process. Mm. I was always told to build everything, no matter what you're designing, the same way. Format, grid, type, image, color. Mm. Always in that order. Yeah. Um, and I've always stick to that. And that's what's increased my speed over time. Because I've had to do like four to six to eight annual reports at once. And to keep track of all that. Yeah. Um, so in order to do that, you have to have your fundamentals like intact. I, I, I compare typography to baseball quite a bit because mm. it's kind of a performance deal. But in order to be a professional baseball player, you have to master the fundamentals, right? Sure. All the things about the game, you have to, it, you have to, it has to become natural to you. Yeah. And for graphic design, that's type. That needs to be ingrained in you in the beginning to make it natural, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing that much work. Yeah. So those that process has to be ingrained and intact to handle all that kind of work, in my opinion. Yeah. This is how I had to had to do it. Yeah. So um that process has to be intact to to 
work in that kind of speed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. But nowadays, I see my students, they want to do it all at once, right? right. Bring in color, bring in imagery and stuff. I said, no, you want to bring in imagery first because you're going to pick your colors from the imagery anyway. Right. So you have the harmony. Right. So there's a reason why that comes. And if you're doing it all at once, you're only getting 30% of your attention to each one. Sure. Instead of 100 at each stage. Right. The right? challenge now is in editing because tools let us do everything at once. Right. Can, right. You can just create almost everything instantly mm-hmm. without doing the, the thinking around right. it. So it sounds like you're almost telling people, you know, slow down and focus on the process because that will help. That will help with a greater yeah, outcome. Think first. Right. Think, think a little first. I know the tools are wonderful, right? Right. And they're, and they're, they're great and yeah. they're quick. But in the end, when they, when they spit something out or do a proof and the spacing is always off, that's usually, I'm, I'm like the space guru in our office. Hmm. And the spacing, is, I've learned, is more important than the type itself a lot of times. Hmm. Because it's where we get our mind to rest on the page from all the content. Oh, wow. So negative space is always a necessity. Right. Right. So I try to teach them to be mindful of that in the very beginning. Hmm. When nothing's on the page still, and you just have your margins and your columns and everything, mm-hmm. be mindful of the space and... and and really accept the generosity of that space because it's going to be taken away right away. Right. Because <laughs> the clients usually want to fill up everything and the space and everything. Not all of them, but... Yeah. yeah. I think that's really interesting. It's not something I've thought about often, that, mm-hmm. that the negative space, the blank space, the empty mm-hmm. space can play just as much of a role, an equal role mm-hmm. in guiding the eye, guiding the the story of the page yeah. of the artwork as much as what you choose to to fill it with. Right. I learned that from the get-go from my mentor. He had uh, some pieces of metal type, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I have them in my, my office too. When we teach them, I take them with me. And you know what? I can actually show you, can I? Sure. I teach, I teach my students that just from this little thing, I, I was taught that the that this portion of the B itself, uh-huh. or the D, I think it's D, Yeah, that's not the type size. The type size is the whole block. Right, because it so includes the, the letter and the negative space around, around it. Around it. Right. That was profound for me. Yeah. And going, well, it's just not about the positive form. Right. And my, my boss would always say, no, the, often the negative form creates even more beautiful uh, shapes than the positive form itself. That's awesome to think yeah. about. I think uh-huh. that's actually going to change the way I look at yeah. typography and lettering and mm-hmm. um, and layout. That's really, really Because it's a yin-yang thing. Right. You know, of both. And that's that's the way I was I was taught. Right. To and respect it, the space. Yeah. And if you choose to, you know, I've done illustrations with lettering for concert posters where maybe I'm, you know, mashing up the letters mm-hmm. and the negative space is flowing from letter to letter. But that's mm-hmm. still, that's a choice. Right. You know, to create a, a block like that. Mm-hmm. And then other times, yeah, I'll have lots of space and, you know, around it. But, uh, you know, being really conscious of that, that yin and yang and mm-hmm. that positive negative of the, the lettering and type is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that. That's the little fundamentals that we try to bring out yeah. and type in. And I tell my students to, I give them a poster project, right? And so the first thing, always, mm-hmm. in their sketches, they fill the whole thing up. <laughs> fill it all up, you know? Sure. And then I tell them, I, your poster will be a lot better if you start removing things. Right. Promise me, I, I, I promise you, it, it will get better. And, right. And they see that. 
So when we start adding in space, like, yeah, we get these beautiful negative forms that mm-hmm. counteract with the positive images yeah. and, the, and the type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you study any, like, philosophies in, you know, uh, in, in general, like, that, that, that have that play more on, on life, you know, about simplifying and subtracting and balance? Or do you really just kind of focus on that, that through design? Because as we're talking, I, you know, I'm thinking about other philosophies probably that are out there that... Right you know, apply these kind of principles to sure. life and all, you know, like Occam's razor or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what that is. So. Occam's razor is the, the simplest path is the best path. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Are, are these things that you consider uh, and, and study or no, your, your language is really they through just design. come through in my life. Like at yeah. this point in my life, a few years ago, let's see about, I'd say about seven years ago. Now I started martial arts. Oh, wow. This uh, martial art called Aikido. Okay. And Iaido. Mm-hmm. And they're both Japanese. And it's really kind of a harmonious kind of uh, philosophy of when you have an opponent, you're supposed to let them move first mm. and use their energy against them. Mm. And for you to not expel your energy, you're supposed to save your energy. Mm. So it's, it's really more or less defensive karate. And it's... So, and it's kind of paint a picture mm-hmm. so to speak but with using the opponent's energy yeah so there's a lot of philosophy in that and i that one thing has really you're supposed to let the the opponent's energy pass you you're supposed huh. to let it go by and then do something right uh-huh. that one thing has really helped me in business dealing with demanding clients let let them come let them do it calm your mind right because our first thing is to resist right right that's or, really or, helped me. Or react. Yeah, yeah. resist, yes. get tight, or, 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 or react, be defensive. Yeah, don't react. Give it a minute. Yeah. Don't react. Think about it. Give it a little bit, a few more seconds, and then so you can think harder about it, and then give a rebuttal or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. doing, that, doing that martial art has helped you, that, that, phys- that physical act has helped you in the mental it has. Uh, dance. With your clients. With business and students, too. They tell them to be patient, you know. Mm-hmm. They have to be patient, not, not try. With creativity, it's hard because a lot of them um, struggle with concept, right? And then concept is very hard to teach, mm-hmm. too. So I tell them to be patient with that. Don't try to, creativity will come when it comes, mm. right? It's, I always explain to them, it's like uh, with girlfriends, right, or boyfriends. When you're looking for one, they're never around. <laughs> right, right. And then when you go to the, the grocery store in your pajamas <laughs> or whatever, and you're just in there for a second, then they're there. Right. And you get asked out or something or whatever. Right. It's kind of like that. That's how creativity has always come to me. Uh-huh. I have to let it leak out and give it the environment to come out into. Right. Whether it's driving in the car or yeah. you know, running down the, the path of uh, you know, outside in the wilderness or whatever. Right. Michael, thank you so much for joining the show. This has been a wonderful conversation. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, I really enjoyed learning about your path and, uh, and all things typography. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. That was my conversation with Michael Stinson. Michael, thank you so much for joining the show, being so open, and uh, joining in the conversation. I learned a ton. I really enjoyed meeting you. And I'm excited for listeners to get so much from the conversation. I certainly did. 
You all should check out Michael Stinson at michaelstinson.com. Check out his agency, Ramp Creative, at rampcreative.com. And learn more about Type Ed at type-ed.com. But you should get all of these links and all of these great show notes and lots more learnings at our official website for the podcast, makingwayspodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Please drop a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It's an amazing way for people to learn about the show. Follow us on the social media. Please shout out on Instagram. I love meeting you all and hearing feedback from everyone. Thank you so much for being part of the community here with Making Ways. We really, really appreciate it. Making Ways intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon.